Yeah, it's been a long night and the mirror's telling me to go home But it's been a long time since I felt this good on my own uh. A lot of years went by with my hands up in your ropes Forever and ever, no more The midnight sky is the road I'm taking Listening to the PCAST presented by CDE Lightband. Each week we take you in Austin, the Athletics Department, occasionally the OVC, thanks to our good friends at CDE. I am Colby Wilson. He is Case Greer. Welcome to the nation's top ranked Austin podcast, ready to accept the consequences of its own actions. Casey, how are you now? Good, and you? I, it's, it's been a week this month, but I think, I think the enduring image that I'll take away from from said week, from my from my own personal self, is uh the 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 Terry Taylor ascension in Charleston, which is I think that's what I'm gonna dub the uh the photo that you took of the the game winner the, the ascension the ascension yeah no I I think it works the, the last of his 38 points against the Panthers hold on say that again 38 points. Okay. I also want to throw in a 17 rebounds for good measure because both of those are season highs for any OVC player this year. Oh, darn. Oh, yeah. Uh, Golly. Terry banked home the game winner against Eastern Illinois. From distance. Ho-hum perfunctory greatness on display once again. He wasn't towing the three-point line or anything. Oh, no, no. And and you and I talked about this at the time watching it. Like They couldn't have defended that any better. Where do you want Terry Taylor to get the ball if he's going to be the one taking the last shot, which everyone in the building knew he was going to be the one taking the last shot? Do you want him to get it on the block and let him cook against some poor outmatched triple team that's never going to stand a chance? Oh, or if he got it in the block, it was the easiest two points it was, of it was his life. the surest two points that ever existed. But instead, they made him get the ball 40 feet from the basket. And then he took two dribbles, rose, fired, and banked on the three anyway. After they almost stole it from Carlos and Alec. I yeah. Because they had, like, they were running some wild press. Yeah, they, they went on that 2-2-1 and just, it was it was clear, let's try to get a turnover before they get the ball into Terry's hands. I think one of my favorite things is as soon as the shot goes in, one of the EIU guys throws his headband. And it actually goes about, like, in the video, you can see the headband hit the wall like five feet away from me, and in the time I did not notice there was a flying headband that close to me. Yeah, uh, the the reactions of the EIU players were... I mean, it's it's the reaction I think anybody would have if you spent 40 minutes just getting done up by the same person that you were constantly quadruple-teaming, and then he hit the biggest shot on the last play of the game <laughs> when well, all of you knew where he was going to take it anyway. All the photos I got in the second half of him just scoring in the paint, it's like, oh, there's Terry rising over four people for uh, for the easiest two points it seems he's ever scored. Yeah, it's uh, it's a privilege and an honor pretty much every time we get to watch Terry Taylor. Also a privilege and an honor right now, the 5-0 and Austin P women's basketball team. Rolling. Rolling. But Coach Midlick and the gang's got them cooking. Rolling through the early part of the Ohio Valley Conference schedule. Uh, I don't think you can ever take a 5-0 starting conference play lightly. No, uh, I no. don't think it matters who you, who you played and who you beat, especially when you consider they've won four straight on the road. They had to go uh, on the road to do a lot of this. Uh, the the arch nemesis, arch nemesi at Murray State were one of the skins. Um I mean, yeah, he's a tough win. Yeah, that's a yeah, good, that's e- a good. That is a good EIU team. I don't know how they're three and four right now or whatever they are. They are struggling at this point in the season. But you look at the players on that team. They've got three All Conference players on that team. They've got 
I mean, they've got one of the best players in the league, and Abby Wall. She's big. She can get what she wants, and we beat them on their court. That's a good win. Yeah, I'll take I, I, it. It's the best three and four win we're going to get all year. That might have been the best trip to Charleston I've ever taken because we won both games. We it there wasn't an apocalyptic amount of snow. It was, it was cold. It was cold, but I just, I just it's cold in Charleston in like June, so you know whatever. But yeah, we. It, the only thing that would have made it better would have been if there were a bunch of EIU fans in the stands that we could have disappointed not once but twice on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Instead, it was really just poor Rich Moser running the entire operation for. I think he does everything. He he does do everything. He's ne- he never stops moving. He is never in the same place for longer than like three minutes because he's got to run from one fire to the next. Rich Mosher does our job at Eastern Illinois, and whereas we have like a fully functioning department where there's a bunch of people and we, you know, can actually focus on doing a great job to the best of our abilities, Rich just lurches from one catastrophe to the next for five hours at a time, and that's his game day. And then he has to recap everything that happened at the end of it. We feel for Rich is what we're saying. Rich, if you're listening, we know you're a big fan. We feel for you, buddy. hate that you had to recap Terry Taylor's ascension from Uh, the dark side of the ascension. I mean, people are beginning to, like... What was that ESPN article you retweeted this morning? 25th best player in college basketball? Yes. I think that's quite good. I think that's quite low. <laughs> I mean, you could argue that it's quite low, but I'll also take that it's quite good. I, I, I'd put him firmly in the teens somewhere. Is he the top mid-major player on the list, or is Bassey and Bassey's higher and Gonzaga? It, technically, if you think Gonzaga is a mid-major, which... Listen, they keep breaking Gonzaga mid-major in the regular poll and the mid-major poll, which is the dumbest thing on the planet, because they dominate the women's mid-major poll, too. Oh, really? I didn't they, know that. They get, like, 24 for... They don't, like, get every first-place vote. They're not undefeated, but they've been... I can't remember the last time Gonzaga didn't get the mid-major men's vote. They've The the women's team gets them... I mean, they've been first place in the women's mid-major poll for, like, four or five weeks now, or probably the whole season, and they get, like, 20 votes, 24. And, I mean, it's just like they're not a mid-major school. Gonzaga basketball is not mid-major. Yeah. It's 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 unfair. It's it, that's almost like how Alabama football should have a uh, have a uh, uh, its own poll higher than everyone else. That basically just ranks it. There should be another college football playoff that doesn't include Alabama, so everybody else can have a chance. Yeah, you just award Bama the the title at the end of every season, then everybody else gets to play for second place. I mean, make a cool second place trophy. It'd probably be a pretty cool second place trophy. I mean, if you're the other teams, you probably got to think that's a pretty decent uh pretty decent alternative considering you don't have to play the likes of Devontae Smith. Golly. Holy buckets. Devontae Smith had a game in thirty minutes. Yeah, Devontae Smith had a Devontae Smith had a career in a half and I'll tell you what, I saw a tweet, and it was, uh, I think it was from Brian Reese's son during the game. It was like, this game was over the minute Devontae Smith stepped off the bus. And I was like, yep, nope, yep, nailed it. Yeah, Devontae, uh, the only thing that kept that game as close as it was was Devontae Smith getting hurt and missing yeah, his hand, the entirety of the second half. Yeah, his hand being mangled in the second half. And it must have been bad because he didn't come back out. They put a towel over it when he walked to the locker room. Well, when you think about it, I mean. You don't want NFL teams, NFL teams to know what's really wrong. Well. Not even that, but like that. All, all that did was serve to elevate John Mechie, who might be the best receiver in next year's NFL draft. It got Najee Harris three touchdowns in yeah, the second it, half. It, it, yeah, it gave everybody a chance. Slade to play Bolden a got in the end zone. Like Jalen Waddle got got to 
limp around out there, unfortunately. It's weird because they said he's back up to like his normal speed from before he got hurt, but he's just. I, they said it just it feels different for him, so he can't run. I yeah, don't, I think he's. I he, think he's, he's having like a little mental side thing there, and. Uh, well, I think you can go normal speed, but it's just you takes you longer to get back to it. Is he a sophomore? I think he's a sophomore. I thought he was a junior. Oh, I, thought, been, I thought he had another year. I've been seeing him in these mock draft things. So I, I'm, I the, think, I'm the geek that the mock drafts. No, are. yeah, no. I I think a, I think a semi healthy or whatever you consider Jalen Waddle right now could fall down the board to a team at the end of the first round. It'd be quite a steal. Probably could because he was just as good as Devontae Smith early in the season before he broke his ankle. Well, here's the thing: Devontae Smith won't be the first receiver taken. I'll I'll put that out there right now. Oh, I, it's, it's going to be a dumb. It's, it's going to be very dumb. I I don't know who's going to do it. I don't know how it's going to be done, but there there is going to be a team out there that decides they're too smart by half and fall in love with a guy who can bench 300 pounds 81 times and run a 4.0140 and those are great things, but they're, they're not probably Devontae, an okay receiver too. They're not Devontae Smith things. It's I, it's like I texted you during the game. Is Devontae Smith fast enough to get drafted by the Raiders? Because he's a wide receiver and he doesn't run a four three, so the Raiders would never draft. No, I mean the Raiders are all set with Henry Ruggs running wind sprints and going getting three <laughs> catches for thirty eight yards for the next four years. If I'm Miami, I pick Devontae Smith at three. I don't even think about it. If I'm the Jets, I'd probably pick him at two because I don't think Sam Darnold's their problem, and I think you give Sam Darnold some good receivers and uh, no Adam Gase, and you're cooking. But I also think it'd be nice if Sam Darnold could uh, rely on one person on his offensive line to actually block for him, too. You're correct there. I think that if you're the Miami Dolphins and you don't draft Devontae Smith. That's football malpractice oh. is what that is. And they're not going to do it. They're not. No. Absolutely. They're not going to do it. He's going to fall to He's going to fall somebody. He's going to fall to the Chiefs. He's going to fall to the Chiefs. Oh, if he falls to the Chiefs, I will be I'll be done with football, man. I just There won't be any upside to it for me for the next He'll decade. score 30 touchdowns. Imagine if he falls to like this is like I texted you like imagine if he falls to the Vikings at fourteen yeah and get... it's him and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and like you know Kirk Cousins is whatever but boy you can be you can be a whole lot of whatever with those three yeah yeah you can they don't they can run the ball too a little bit they got Dalvin Cook yes that, that Vikings team gets real scary when you add a Devontae Smith to that offense. And Kirk Cousins doesn't look like he stinks as much. Yeah, Kirk, uh, that'll that'll gloss over a lot. He's still gonna throw of... a couple into the seventh row when he's aiming for Jefferson in the back of the end zone. But you you, you, you give and take with Kirk Cousins. More give and take also being done by Casey's personal hero, Mac McClung. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't go with personal hero, but uh, hit a big game winner at Texas last night. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Um, I, I've watched him hit that exact same shot to win a game in the Arby's Classic. Is is the story I wanted to say, but. Uh, just dribble, dribble out the last ten seconds. Pull up on the right wing, right over somebody. Three points, ball game. Already uh, the most famous person to come out of your area of the woods. Not our, no, no, not out of our area. I'd say he went to Gate City High School, so I'd say the most famous person out of Gate City High School, and it's not close. But I mean, Seasbury went to my high school. Daniel Norris went to my high school. He pitched for the Tigers. Like I'd say those two probably. Spurrier, yes, probably not on Norris. I'd say. Same McClung's a okay, Norris was when he first came out. He was very popular. Yeah, he's Van Guy. Right. Everybody so, knows that um, story. I'd say one of those two. I'm trying to think. I mean, it's, it's probably those two. Um, but Matt sports-wise, very good. Abrio Franklin. He won a Super Bowl with the Niners. If you remember him, he went to Science Hill. No. No. Um, the we had the Sensabaugh family out of Dobbins Bennett that played for the Jaguars and the Cowboys. Gerald Sensabaugh. Was it Gerald or was it the other one? Yeah, me, bud. 
we had a they, we had a family from yeah I would say he's he's probably top tenner at the moment in the sports world from Northeast Tennessee. Well, good for him. Actually, he might be Southwest Virginia. Is Kate City in Virginia or Tennessee? I think it's. I was. I was. It's in of, Virginia. It's I was kind of looping it into the whole Tri Cities area. No, it it counts as Tri Cities area, but it's. I think it's technically Virginia. Not technically Virginia. Not technically anything. The Nets. Boy. Oh, buddy, the Nets. My, uh, dad, my dad texted me as soon as it happened said, not enough shots in Brooklyn. And I said, when you shoot the ball in seven seconds or less, there sure is. Look, the average NBA game features about 90 shots per team, roughly, give or take. Between the three of them, the last three full seasons they've played, they've averaged about 60 shots. A piece? No, no, total, the three of them. Okay. Each of them roughly about twenty shots a game. Yeah, uh, Harden was above and the way above, and the other two were slightly below. But I'll take those three taking two thirds of my shots. Well, I'm thinking of the other six guys in your typical nine man rotation. Are they going to be thrilled with the other thirty shots and also playing three on five defensively for forty eight minutes a game? Because Harden and Kyrie are two of the more less engaged defenders. Kyrie's a good defender when he wants to be. Well, that's what I mean. Less engaged. James Harden's not good when he wants to be, I don't think. James Harden is trying hard when he tries hard. I think if you can get Kyrie to play and care, which he doesn't right now. That's what this felt like to me, was this was kind of (laughs) like the Nets sort of seeing, oh, Oh, the the thing we worried might happen seems like it's happening, and Kyrie's sort of off the reservation. And now what? Listen, if he misses two weeks in January, but he comes back for the playoffs, you're okay. You take that trade for the Nets. Load management's what we'll call it. Sure, why not? I also think you have a knucklehead on your team. You have a knucklehead. You have two knuckleheads on your team. You have a problem. And those two kind of seem like knuckleheads. Has James Harden been a knucklehead until like the past six months, though. Because when he was dropping 40 a game and winning MVPs in Houston, I don't think there was any problems. Like, up until the past year, James Harden was not considered a problem in the NBA. He wasn't considered a problem because the, he was never trying to, like... His personality the, wasn't a problem. Him taking 40 shots a game might have been considered a the, problem. But the whole thing was centered around him in Houston. It was all him. It was, I mean, you know, you've the stories are leaking out about how if he wanted a party, they would stay in a road city an extra night so he could go out and do whatever he wanted to. Like, it was the entire thing bent to his will. The problems have started cropping up when they started trying to add complimentary superstars to him. Now, But he, he likes Kevin Durant is the key. He liked Russ, and he liked Chris Paul. I'm Let's dubious. I'm not, I'm not willing to crown the net. Sure, they're going to score. Boy, they're going to be fun to play with on 2K. They're going to score and score and score and score and score and score and score. I don't know that that necessarily means they're going to win a bunch. And I'm definitely dubious about this immediately rocketing them to favorite in the East status. They're not better than a healthy Warriors team from a couple years ago. I'll tell you that right now. I don't think so. I think that Steph and Clay team would play defense. They'd get done up. They'd do up this Nets team by 20 points. The, they didn't do enough to – Surpass the Lakers. Katie and Katie's a wash, and then I'll take Clay and Steph over Harden and Kyrie. Oh shoot! I'll right take now. I'll take younger, 
pre-Achilles tear KD over this older, still very effective model. Yeah, I was sitting there last night, and I just, Kevin Durant's really good at basketball still, if anybody has forgotten oh, yeah. from the year he didn't play. Uh, does whatever he wants. Well, that was also against the Knicks. It's pretty easy to do whatever you want against the Knicks, even this marginally improved Knicks of 2021. I weirdly want the Nets to be successful, though, because I like Steve Nash. He was my favorite player as a kid, and I liked watching, and I liked to see him and Mike D'Antoni and Amari Stoudemire all back together. That's another thing I'm kind of concerned about is, like, Nash is still sort of figuring out his way as a head coach, and now it's a locker room full of dynamic, bombastic personalities who need the ball to be effective. I think Mike D'Antoni is going to help him so much. Yeah, but... I mean, I don't know if D'Antoni... I mean, I, I, D'Antoni also knows exactly what he's getting at Harden, too. Right, but... That might. I mean, D'Antoni's coached hard, and that could help in a way. It might. It might. I don't I, know. I don't think there's a better situation for James Harden. He's got his boy KD. He's got Mike D'Antoni. Steve Nash, the younger coach, might be able to relate with him, work with him. I don't know. I, I, where else would you rather see him go? I don't think it works in many other places because the Sixers wasn't. They weren't going to give up what they weren't going to give up Simmons what like they wanted. The Sixers weren't even a possibility. I mean, that one made more sense to me just because I think it makes sense to have – to. Mo- I think it makes sense for them to move on from Simmons so they can space the floor better around Embiid, who I think is the superior player. But that's more of a – But they weren't going to do it. No. They wouldn't trade Simmons. They've, they've hitched the wagon to Ben Simmons. Good for them, I suppose. I would have liked to have seen Harden maybe up in Denver with Jokic, a decent supporting cast. Our boy Jamal Murray. Well, I think I think any package from Denver probably would have centered around Murray and Michael Porter. And uh, are we the world's most pro Jamal Murray podcast? I think so. Probably the most pro Jamal Murray podcast that doesn't have any sort of affiliation or association with the Nuggets. Okay. Okay. Boy, that is a lot of uh, a lot of NBA talk. That's a lot of talk in general. We have already uh, bored. Any of our audience to tears, we're going to get out of the way and talk to the lane shaver right after Got this. a three-day beard I don't plan to shave, and it's a goofy thing, but I just got to say, hey, I'm a doing all right. Yeah, I think I'll make me some homemade soup. I'm feeling pretty good, and that's the truth. It's neither drink nor drug-induced, no, I'm just doing all right. And it's a great day to be alive. I know the sun's still shining when I close my eyes. There's some hard times in the Our athletic trainers are the unsung heroes of this world of college athletics, and never more so than in the last year when they had to become not only experts in sports medicine, but also in infectious diseases and grappling with a pandemic that could kill us all at any moment. Delaney Schaefer has, for lack of a better phrase, seen some stuff over the last year. Today, she joins us for the worst part of that year, an appearance on the PCAST. Delaney, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm great. So how did this one get into athletic training in the first place? Um, Well, growing up, I always liked sports. um, And I knew once I kind of was getting older and in high school that I wanted to help people. Um, So I kind of just put the two together and and fell into it. Um, A lot of other people, other trainers have, you know, had an experience in high school or college where they, you know, their athletic trainer left an an imprint on them. So they kind of decided that that's what they wanted to do. Um, obviously, there's more than two ways to get into it, but those seem to be two popular two popular answers to it. What's the one thing about your job that is rote, boring, and you just really don't like? Oh, um, 
I'm going to say the paperwork part, part um, like documenting everything. It's definitely necessary, definitely important, but I'm not one to sit behind a desk all day either. Um, another reason to go into athletic training, there's, you know, every day is different. Um, so really the, the paperwork and, and desk work, stuff like that. What is the worst injury you've ever seen? The worst injury. Um, I think, oh, I've seen a lot of breaks, sprains, dislocations, you know, a combination thereof. Um, I think the worst one I've ever seen uh, was actually a concussion though. Uh, it was a young, a young kid who got hit, went unconscious, um, woke up, didn't know their name, didn't know where they were, um, ended up going in an ambulance to the hospital. Um, you know, the, the, the athlete at the time didn't remember waking up and not knowing things. So it's definitely a little more traumatic on the people around him at the time, who was, uh, at the time was the coach, uh, myself and, and his parents were there. Um, so I think that definitely leaves more of an imprint on, on us dealing with the injury than, than what his was. Um, but also concussions are just a question mark in general. You never really know how someone's going to react to one. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say concussion. When you're helping an athlete return from injury, you're there kind of crafting the plan as they go along, but also you're there kind of as their primary motivator as well. What is more important when helping an athlete return from that injury, their motivation or your recovery plan? Oh, ooh, that's a good question. Um, they kind of go hand in hand. I'm going to lean toward athlete motivation. Um, you know, we ask a lot of student athletes, they have a lot on their plate. And when they get injured, especially when it's a serious injury or um, an injury that's, you know, they're out for the rest of the season, they're not going to be able to play till next year or six months, you know, part of that meal that they had on their plate, it goes away. They're, they're no longer, they may no longer see themselves as student athletes. They might just see themselves as students. Um, and that's not a knock on athletes. That's human nature. Um, and I think when, of course, there's always athletes that, that come in and, you know, their nose to the grindstone, they're ready to go. They want to get better. They want to get back. Obviously, that's everyone's goal is to get them back to sport. But um, then there's also those athletes that, you know, they're angry, they're upset, they're feeling a whole host of emotions. And then they're also in pain because they were just injured. Um, so I think when, when you have those athletes, um, it's important to, you know, celebrate the little things along the way, especially if their rehab is going to be six months, eight months, a year. Um, it seems like it's a mountain of work, which it really is. But, but if you can set up some short-term, some long-term goals, um, you know, celebrate the little, the little victories, things that they weren't able to do last week that they did this week, um, then, then it, it helps with them getting back and keeping up with the recovery plan. So I'm going to lean toward athlete motivation for sure. Do you guys develop a, a different and deeper relationship when you're helping somebody go through that six month, eight month year long rehab period? Um, I, th I think so. One is just because you see them more, um, you know, if there's, if there's an athlete that's continually in the training room versus one that I've never really had in the training room, obviously I'm going to have a better relationship um, with, with the one that is coming in just because I see them every day. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only way that I, that we develop relationships. Um, you know, you definitely get, you go to practice every day, you get to get to know the athletes. Um, so it's, it's definitely deeper when they're, when they're in the training room, especially for an extended period, but but I think overall, um, it's you're taking care of their their well-being and their health, so they kind of confide in you a lot. Um, and there's there's a lot of ways to to develop a relationship with someone other than them just coming to the training room. You were from Greenwich, New York, correct? I am. Yes. What was life growing up in Greenwich, New York, like? 
Um, Greenwich, New York, it is a small farm town in upstate New York. Uh, it's about three hours north of, of New York City. Um, we, I think I graduated with like 80 to 90 kids. We knew each other like preschool all the way to senior year. Um, I loved it. I loved growing up in a small town. Um, a lot of, a lot of farms, kind of just rural, rural part of New York that a lot of people don't think of. Um, I say I'm from New York. They think automatically the city and then they go to like Buffalo or something like it's, it's one or the other. Um, Those are the only two places in New York. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Your family has a farm, correct? Um, we do. So it's a, it's a retired farm. Um, my, it was my grandparents and my dad is one of eight. So they had a lot of farm help when, when he was a kid and when they were growing up. Um, it, it's not a, like, we don't have cows or anything anymore. Um, that stopped when I think before I was born, but, uh, my aunt and uncle, they have a, they have a dairy farm about an hour uh, away from us. And then there's, like I said, Greenwich is just a farm town in general. All the towns around us are all farms. So, so I kind of grew up in that atmosphere, even though ours wasn't an actual working farm when I was growing up. Obviously, there are a lot of colleges between here and Greenwich. How did you wind up at Austin Tate? Uh, well, after I graduated college, I just kind of started applying to jobs. Um, I started with like close by to home um, and then kind of expanded to the Northeast in general. And then I just kind of kept expanding my, my search radius and and found here and um, got hired and it, and it worked out. <laughs> sometimes those are the most, sometimes the simplest answer is the best one. Uh, you alluded to it earlier. What kind of athletic experience did you have growing up? Uh, so I played soccer and basketball in high school. Um, shortly after senior year of basketball, I decided I didn't really want to play in college. Um, so when I went to college, I, I started skiing a lot more again. I, I grew up skiing. Uh, I think I started when I was like three or four. But then I stopped in high school with basketball. They were both winter. So um, I picked basketball over skiing. And then, so I got back into that um, in college, but I did not play any sports for college. Skiing, is that something that just, I guess, walk me through your, your experience with it? Because I was told you were a pretty avid skier, but also I'm from the South. Avid skier means you go to the mountains once a year and ski twice. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so we actually, there's a little, um, a little mountain up the, on our road that I grew up on. It's Willard Mountain. It's a, a small ski, ski mountain. Um, so I started there when I was three. And then, like I said, kind of grew up doing it, um, grew up skiing. And then I stopped around probably ninth, ninth grade um, and then started back up in college. Um, I'm Greenwich is it's close to Vermont, probably a half hour. So there's a bunch of mountains uh, in Vermont and there's some in New Hampshire as well. Um, and my, my roommate in, in college was actually ski patrol in, in Vermont. So, so we used to go there a lot um, during college. And then obviously That's now I, I don't have as much skiing abilities down here. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that it's, uh, there's not as much good skiing in the mid-state area. Uh, let's play a little word association with some of your, uh, your closest colleagues here at Austin. Oh, I say your name and you say, what comes to mind? Oh, Travis yeah. LeBlanc. Uh, goofy. Cassie Stanfield. Uh, super nice. Taylor Mott. Hardworking. Brooke Moore. A beast. Emily Moore. Super sweet. Daniel Disney. Serious. <laughs> Chandler Wellman. Who? Chandler Wellman. Funny. 
Kelsey Gross. Uh, I can think of his pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Justin Lowe. Strength. Drew Dudley. Kind. Kelsey Meek. Uh, active. Delaney, what is your favorite word? Okay, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> um, I find myself saying right a lot, like correct, yes, right, right. Um, I text it, I think, more than I say it. I think if I said it as much as I texted it to people, I would drive myself nuts. Um, but it's literally my response to everything. If the answer is yes, I just say right instead. What is your least favorite word? Um, I'm going to go with the favorite of the least favorites and say moist because it's the only thing I can think of. That's a popular one. Who or what inspires you? Um, my family, my parents, uh, really anyone I think that can like face adversity and figure out a way to either put it in a positive or, or just, you know, somehow handle it, work through it and, and have a positive attitude when doing so. What is the last book you read for fun? I do not read. It was probably in high school and that wasn't for fun. Um, so I honestly, I couldn't tell you. I cannot read. What is your worst habit? Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a late person. I, even, I'll still be early to things, but I'm later than I wanted to be. If I want to be somewhere 15 minutes early, I'm like either five minutes early or I'm right on time kind of thing. Or I'll be like two minutes late to stuff. I, I can't figure it out. <laughs> What app on your phone gets the most use? App on my phone. Right now, probably my email. Um, but outside of work, I'm going to say like Instagram or Twitter or something. What is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Terrifying. Um, going to be honest, I've led a pretty unterrifying life thus far. Um, That's good. When I was younger, the only thing that comes to mind, I was younger, like maybe five on a family vacation in Wildwood, New Jersey, which is like a, I guess it's a city. It's um, right on the beach. There's like boardwalks and carnival rides, big like Ferris wheel on the beach, that sort of stuff. Um, and I somehow got separated from, I was with my parents and my sister. Uh, we're walking down a boardwalk, a bunch of people. Um, and I somehow got separated. And I just remember I like bawled my eyes out. I was like a, just a lost little kid. I think it was only for like 10 to 15 seconds, but it felt like 10 years. And then Luckily, my dad, he like dropped down to my height at the time and, and uh, was able to see me and, and came over and grabbed me. But what is your idea of happiness? Ooh, idea of happiness. Um, I think if you can find out a way to incorporate something that you love to do into your everyday life, whether that ends up being your job or a hobby, if you want to like you like going for runs or painting or something, you know, whether you, you run a half mile or you run 10 miles a day, if you can figure out how to incorporate that into your everyday life, then you'll be a pretty happy person. What's your idea of misery? Um, being old and like looking back and having regrets on things that I had control over. So like if I made a bad decision or I could have done this better, something like that. What makes you self-conscious? Um, I don't know if this is self-conscious, but I, I hate making decisions. Um, I'm really in my head about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm a pretty laid back person in general, and I try not to be like too panicky, too quick about stuff. Obviously, with my job, I sometimes have to be, but if, if there's times where I can like think things through, um, I try to try and figure out like if I do X, what does that do to Y and Z? 
Um, and then after I make decisions, I'm like, in my head, was that the right decision? I don't know. Um, so that would be my answer, yeah. What is the most embarrassing song you love? Oh, embarrassing? I'm going to say, like, Taylor Swift from 2010 or earlier. Like, any Taylor Swift song from early OG T-Swift. How would you prefer to die? Um, I think in my sleep would be the logical answer. Um, if that's not an option, then I remember, I don't know why this has always stuck with me, but back when like Paul Walker, the Fast and Furious actor, back when he died, there was this quote that was going around like social media and stuff. And it was something along the lines of, if the speed ever kills me, don't cry because I was smiling. So I think if I couldn't die in my sleep, I would want to do something that I enjoyed, something to make me smile and kind of like end on a high note. If you're reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? Reincarnated. Um, I would say like a dog or a cat, but then you could end up being like a stray dog or cat. So um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a penguin. Um, penguin. You have land and water capabilities. They're versatile. And I like the winter. I like the snow. So I'm going to go with penguin. What might prompt you to lie? I really try not to lie. Um, I don't let people lie to me, so I try not to lie to people. I think I more play dumb than anything. Like if, if there's if there's something that I don't want you to know, or if it's not my place to tell you, I'll just kind of nod my head, agree with you, and get out of the conversation. Um, just act like I don't know anything. What makes you hopeful? Um, I think the future. I mean, you never really know what's going to happen tomorrow, which it's kind of cheesy, but, and it could be a bad thing that happens tomorrow, but I think you have to kind of set yourself up every day to, to be in a position that, you know, tomorrow could always be better than today was, even if today was great. What is our purpose in life? Uh, I think our purpose, I think it's to leave it better. There's kind of a saying that goes um, with like national parks and stuff, and it's leave it better than you found it. And usually they're talking about like don't leave your garbage in state parks and, you know, pick up after yourself. But I think you can, you can decide what your it is, um, whether, whether that is the environment, maybe you're passionate about it. That's great. Whether it's your family life, maybe you want to be a better parent to your kid than yours were to you. Maybe it's your work environment, whatever it may be. Um, if you can find whatever your it is and, and leave it better for the next generation, the next people to come through, then I think you did your job. Um, and, and you did something something um, for the future. Regardless of who it is, what is one question you would ask our next guest? One question. Uh, if you had a boat, what would you name it? That is, wow, I've never considered. Uh, what would you name your boat? I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, it would have to be something like clever, a play on words, like, like seize the day, but seize is like S-E-A-S, like something you know, corny and, and stupid, <laughs> but something, something like that. I'm going to be, I'm going to be pondering what I would name a boat for the next couple of days. I feel like I want to hear it. Last week, Sam Schmitz asked, what is your favorite shape? My favorite shape. Ooh. Um, I would say a circle. That is also what Sam said. Give your reasoning. Probably. Um, uh, I don't, I don't really have one. I guess there, there's no like corners, sharp edges. It's aesthetically pleasing. 
and like right. wheels, they move. You can you can roll and stuff. They're versatile. That makes sense. So, Lenny, what do you think? The I mean, you're what two years, three years into your career. What do you? What are the next steps for you? Um, I really, I don't really know. Um, right now, I'm I'm actually getting my master's at Austin P. So that's my first goal is is to finish that. Um, and from there, I'm I'm not really sure. What are your long-term 20 years from now hopes for yourself? Um, at some point have a family and, and kids and I'll probably end up moving back back up to New York or in the Northeast closer to family. Well, while you're here, we're really grateful to have you here. We appreciate the work you do and the smile you put on everybody's face every day. Thank uh, you. Thanks for having me on. Delaney, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day. Thank you. But why can't every day be just this Thanks to Delaney Schaefer for coming on and taking a few minutes out of what is a very busy day in her world right now. As we look ahead to this week, this is a prove-it week for the women's basketball team. 5-0 is great. We've talked about that. But this is road to UT Martin in southeast Missouri, two of the best teams in this league, and the thing that's going to separate contender from pretender status. If you can, If you can split one of these – or even, even not even split, if you make both these games on the road, close games that you feel like you're in in the final minutes, feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I think UT Martin's the best team in the league, and I think I don't care if they're 3-3. Three and three, I think they've played Louisville twice. They dropped a game to Jacksonville State in between the Louisville games. Like, Look at what UT Martin's got. They got all the first-place votes in the preseason poll. They're really good. You're going to find out how good you are tonight when you play UT Martin. I mean, the Govs are 5-0. and UT Martin's supposedly the preseason favorite. Uh, they have the best player in the league. By, by far. By Chelsea far. Perry leads the nation, second in the nation, 27.7 points per game, something right now. She's not getting as many rebounds as she did last year, but, I mean, she's still averaging like seven. Also, she's probably not missing as much as she right. did last she's year. She's shooting like 50% from three. She's shooting like 40. She takes like four threes a game, hits two of them every single game. Uh, it's just, I mean, she just does everything. She's really good. Then they've got a cast around her, too. They've got Louisville transfer, Sagan Robbins. She's having a really good year in her first year at Martin. Last year's first-team LVC selection, Maddie Waltrip. She's having a little bit of a down year statistically, but she started every game, and I imagine she's an important piece of a defense because, boy, they block a lot of shots. They're tall. They're big. They're a good team. Going to find out tonight. And then Saturday, Southeast Missouri won the tournament last year. Third third seed won the tournament. You have the second-league score in the LVC. She's got 10 points less per game than Chelsea Perry, but Tizia Thompson, really good player. Probably would win the Conference Player of the Year a couple times if she didn't yeah, if decide to be the exact same year as Chelsea Perry. So it's it's two really big games. You'd like to you'd like to win them both, but I think a split on the road. If you go four and one on this road trip, and you're sitting there at five and one in the conference, 
I mean, you can't ask for a better start. You're good. You're go. My gosh, what if they swept it? If not they, to not to not to put swept, that kind of pressure, but I mean, my goodness, if they swept it, you're sweeping talking, it means. I mean, you're your driver's seat. You're in the, no, you are in the driver's seat because I mean, you have, maybe you're not driver's seat because you still got to play Belmont, but you're at least you have to you, play Belmont. You you're at least wrestling Belmont. for shotgun. You have to play Belmont twice, I think. I think we play Martin. No, we play Belmont once. But I think we play Martin. I know again. we have them once. I don't know. We if have the same schedule. Okay. I think we play Martin again. Yeah, we got to have Martin we again. Have to, you'll have, you'll again. have to play Martin and Simo again. But if you can take the two on their home courts, listen, you're Ooh. you're at six and zero, or no, excuse me, seven and zero, and you've you've locked up your spot, just about in the tournament. Yeah, you're you're in. You, you would, ha- I mean, it would have to get you're in, crazy sideways for you not to be in. But I, like I said, I think a split is a very successful weekend. With these two road games, considering they're already 4-0 and on the road in the conference. Um, I said love to win them both. I hope we win them both. But I would very much sign up for a split right now. You know who we didn't mention in this was men's basketball because they're not playing this weekend. Because of COVID-19 protocols, we've hit the pause on the men's basketball program for the week. Um We've already rescheduled both games. We'll be going to Martin February 8th, and we will be going to Southeast Missouri February 16th. And February is becoming quite the month for the men's basketball team. 11 games now scheduled over the span of 27 days. Going uh, to be a gauntlet. Going to be a gauntlet. Make or break the season. It's going to be in February. Yeah. Uh, the the thing that suck, well, I mean, there are several things that suck about this, I suppose. But the thing that really is underrated is now that little four-game road trip to start the month of February, and you've got two of those games being the odd Monday games where you go to, you start it with February first, you go to SIU Edwardsville, not an easy get on a two p.m. Monday game. Yeah. Th- then you've got that weekend. No fans there either. No fans there. Then you got that weekend journey to EKU and Moorhead State, who have proven to be two of the toughest outs in this league this season. I mean, EKU. Very good. Very, very good. And Moorhead State beat EKU. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, This league, the men's side of this league is. It's wild. It's wild. I don't know. Because Murray's a, losing right. Murray's not winning games right now. It's very weird. Murray's very bad right now. It's It's, it, very it's like strange. they used all that up in that beating they handed us up there at their place to start the conference. I don't think is they Belmont won Belmont the most consistent team, or are they losing? Are they, I think Belmont's probably Belmont's Belmont's still Belmont's unbeaten. Belmonte. Belmont's still unbeaten. So is SAUE, but SAUE hasn't played in a while. They've only played, like, one conference game, haven't they? Yeah. And they beat who? They beat EIU, I think? Um, no, no, maybe not. Um, I can't even remember. It's been that, it's been that long ago. Well, doors wide open for the Govs. The doors wide open for the Govs, but they got to take care of business, and... Hopefully, step one's getting back on the court. Yeah, step one's getting back on the court. Hopefully, this little break will get everybody healthy. Get everybody healthy. Get maybe get some some fresh legs for what is going to be a a, a very lengthy February. If you're going to play eleven games in twenty seven days. You might as well rest up for it. Yep. And then I also personally am starting to starting to become apprehensive about the second month of the year since both golfs and cross country and football will all start that month as well and i will in be in tennis in, well i don't have much to do with tennis but i do you do but i have a lot to do with those other things and we don't start soccer till the next month thank goodness yeah i know right thank heaven for small favors 
And let's go sit in that sweat box till March, which will be an ice box this year. I'm looking forward to that, honestly. I'm glad it'll be cold and not hot at soccer. Yeah. I'm gl- I'd rather start at cold and then work my way into warmth. I can put on more clothes. I can't do anything when we're sitting there at 100 degrees having to take water breaks in the middle of a soccer game because it's so hot. NFL playoffs. Divisional round. Yeah. The wheat has separated from the chaff, I believe is how that old-timey farmer saying goes. Well, that was a wild weekend last week. Was it? I mean, the Colts were closer than I thought they would actually be. I thought they would give them a game. Pittsburgh got beat. Who else? Got no, beat? That, else, the Pittsburgh else. game was wild. Uh, that, Tennessee got. Tennessee I mean, I'm got. Not, handled. I'm not surprised that Tennessee got beat, but I didn't think they would. I'm not surprised Tennessee got beat. I'm surprised they got handled. I thought that game would be. Derek Henry ran for what? Forty-one yards. Yeah, it was pretty rough. The Bear, Boy. the Bears and Saints game. That was about what I expected. The Saints got up and were like, "Let's." Let's not show it anything that we don't have to show. Yeah, if you're going to get to Mitch Trubisky in the playoffs, you don't have to do. Don't, yeah. don't have to get too creative. Who you got this weekend? Um, well, let's see. Let's run down the list. Rams. Rams. Packers. I think the Rams are going to find the upgrade in opponent from Seattle to Green Bay to be a little too much to overcome. I'm always going to bet on Aaron Rodgers. That's I'm always going to bet on right Aaron Rodgers. Also. The Packers' defense is, like, it's not on the Rams' level. but The it Rams is, have to go to Lambeau, too, and it's going to be cold. The Rams got to go to Lambeau. Their quarterback situation is still a mess. I think McVay can coach circles around the floor, but I also – McVay can coach circles around anybody in the league. Most people, yeah, but also I just think that the Rodgers-Green Bay factor is just going to be too much. Bills-Ravens? Oh, boy, Lamar showed some stuff last week, didn't he? I like Josh Allen. I do, Man, too. I like him playing in I, Buffalo, too. I – ooh, boy. It's – it's – the defense-run game combination with Baltimore, if they are what they were last week – They'll win. That, I mean, yeah. The Bills' run game terrifies – I mean, just terrifying the Bills, the Bills fans. just send Devontae Freeman – yeah, I mean, they've been running with Moss and Singletary all season, and those two aren't good. Well, Moss is hurt now, so yeah. it's just Singletary. I mean, at, Allen is one of, like, three guys, three or four guys in the league capable of just going, you know what, we're not going to lose this game because I'm going to be awesome. Correct. And if he does that, cool. They're win. All right, cool. But there is a non-zero chance that Lamar Jackson could reach into his bag and do the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. All right, Chiefs-Browns, not really a question who's going to win, do the Chiefs cover or not. Ten points. Probably. Uh, I mean, Cle- Cleveland's playing with house money at this point. I mean, they get. The Chiefs will do whatever they want. I think the only thing that can hurt the Chiefs in this round is their disinterest. Like, if if Cleveland comes out and pops them in the mouth the same way that they did the Steelers, and all of a sudden it's like 21 nothing halfway through the first quarter. Yeah, but that's what Texas, or the Texans did to the Chiefs last year, and they scored 50 unanswered or something. Yeah, but the these Browns are better than those Texans. Fair, but I I think the only thing that can that can really do much to Kansas City is just their own disinterest. All right, the History Channel game, wrap up the week. Saints Bucks. Buck or no 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 no. Pick pick the Saints. I'm I'm going with the Saints just because. Good defense. The, de- the defense is Michael great. Michael Thomas looked good last week for the first time this season. Both both those guys will have a week under their belts to kind of knock the rust off. I think they. I think Peyton is a far superior coach to Arians. I think 
Can the Bucks run the ball? Nah, I think I like really. both New Orleans no. running backs better than anybody. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Give me um, whose name I can't remember now other than Kamara. Um, Latavius Murray. Yeah, Latavius Murray. Mm-hmm. Give me Latavius Murray over anybody on the Bucks, And now Kamara over any player yeah, on the Bucks in yeah, general. Yeah, pretty like, much any, any player. I mean, the, the Bucks In the Dome, too. In the Dome. But, I mean, that helps both. You know, I can see, I can foresee the Bucks having a field day in the passing game because they can let all those guys cook. I don't know. I I think the Saints, with the coaching and defense, will ultimately win out, especially with the, the addition of the run game. It's just Breeze is giving off some real Peyton Manning with the Broncos vibes right now. Like with the it, broken ribs, like yeah, the, the last season. The, the, like the, they're going to win, like because not because Peyton's there, but yeah, because the rest he, of the team's really he good. Won't, he won't harm, but he is past the – He's past the point of being able to just like pull it out because he's Drew Brees now. Right. That last that last Peyton Manning Super Bowl was one because Von Miller the defense. Yeah, Von Miller wished it to be so. Th- throwing screen passes to Demarius Thomas that he would just oh break eighty yards on. That guy just disappeared. By the way. Yeah. No. Didn't he go to the Jets and then just kind of what happens? Went, I mean, Decker went to the Jets. He disappeared. Emmanuel Sanders really only receiver from that team still kicking it around with the and, Saints a little bit. And he had a couple of really bad years before he latched on with. the I mean, Saints. Demarius Thomas was really good. I mean, he was. I don't think I've ever seen a guy take. More bubble screens, seventy yards than that guy. Yeah, but once it's gone, it's gone. Right. See ya. But you know what's coming back? What is coming back? Our student athletes. Woo! Next week. Yeah. Neat class. Maybe that's probably not the part that they're most excited for. But uh, when you come back, Haley Meyer has all your opportunities for community service in and around the Clark School community in a safe and healthy manner so see her for all of that so you can get your elusive govs cup points another you know another safe way you can follow and support the govs um in your in your bubble oh well, yeah but you know what you can do in your bubble is follow us on twitter and instagram at let's go p or follow along on our official facebook account called austin p governors come look at all the good work our friend robin and our uh, colleague. colleague eric are doing uh Robin, great video work. Eric's making graphics. He sure is. Let's go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Casey Cody Bush and myself, we have stuff over there all the time, especially as we have more schedule updates seemingly every week. Life moves fast over at Let's go P.com, so be sure you are checking it out. Hey, a lot of games coming up soon. In contact with our ticket gurus, Katie Locke, and her assistant, John Calvin. They've got all the information you can use to get in the game. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating review on the podcast, five stars, five stars. If you want to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event. We shout out. Join Casey and Stalking Mac McClung. Tweet us. I'm at C. Wilson 225. He's at C underscore Craig 19. Love yourself. Love each other. Talk to you next week. Goodbye. Some say you're making moves, I say you're making rules, say you're making brand new, call the truth some. Not wanna follow rules when I'm cooking up the brew, gotta call the whole crew, sick the troops on them. Hey, stir the root thick in the moment. Hey, kick it up a notch like Nolan's. Hey, like the booth is soft like Charmin. Hey, fix your boiler bowl, I'm starving.